we are studying at our church. In particular, I want to give you some advice from two friends of mine. Um, They're imaginary friends, but we've all probably had imaginary friends at some point in time. And their names are Will and Felicia. Will and Felicia, but you can just call them Will and Phil for short. Will and Phil. Now, Will and Felicia, they're married to each other, and they get along great most of the time. Here's, here's how it works. You see, Will is kind of a stereotypical male, if you will. He is very decisive. He's very big picture. He's not really interested in the details. He's very directional and um, dis- affirmative, like, okay, this is what we're going to do. Boom. And I'll sort through the rest of it later. But this is the direction I'm headed. And his friends know that, the people around him, and they appreciate about that about him. In fact, they jokingly call him um, willpower. If there's a project to be uh, directed or, or direction needed, he's the guy they go to. And they'll often say to him, hey, where are we headed, buddy? And Will will say, like this. He provides the direction. But then, of course, in the, in the course of providing the direction, sometimes Will forgets about some of the important details and often overlooks some of the more important aspects like the relational connection side. And therefore, God has graciously equipped him with Felicia. Now, Felicia, you might say, is a bit directionally challenged. She doesn't care so much about where we're headed, just having a good time along the way. She likes to interact with people. She likes to hear the whole story. And she likes to fill in all the gaps. She's very relational, very diplomatic, and a tremendous benefit to Will. So Will and Phil, or Will and Felicia, they get along great. Their marriage is thriving, and they're very compatible. They are complementary, or complementarian, you might say. So then the question then for us today is, if we were to go to Will and Phil and say, Will and Phil, please, tell me how I should walk. Tell me how to live wisely in this world. How do you two do it? And I think they would answer like this. Here's the slide for today, the direction that we are going to follow. The details will follow. The direction is this. The, the sermon outline is two points. How to live wisely by will and fill. How to live wisely by will and fill. That's going to be Ephesians chapter 5. Will is going to set the direction and fill or Felicia is going to help us relationally. Will is going to say, this is, this is the direction you're headed. Here is God's will for your life. And Felicia will fill in all the gaps. So let's start with Will then. Number one, Will. Will sets direction. The beauty of this book of Ephesians is that God has not kept his will a mystery to us, but instead he has revealed the mystery. I think when we talk, many of us um, say things like, oh, I just want to know. Are you listening, kids? I just want to know God's will for my life. You know, what is the Lord's will in this situation? And God has revealed that to you. It's not a mystery. He's not holding back. He has, in fact, revealed it to you. And what he says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 is this. He says, look carefully how you walk or look carefully how you live. Look carefully how you go about the day to day. By the way, looking carefully means inevitably there are very easy ways for you to misstep. There are great pitfalls if you don't. 
here is, here's what he says. Not as unwise, but instead making the best use of your time, not wasting it. Because why? Because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Okay, I don't want to be foolish. Tell me, what is the will of the Lord? Well, remember Ephesians chapter 1. He chose you. Don't forget that, church. If you're here today, you're listening to this sermon, the Holy Spirit is active in your life. That means God chose you on purpose. He did not make a mistake. He chose you. He chose you in him, not when he saw your good works or that you had potential, but instead before you ever came about, before the foundation of the world. In order that, what is God's will for my life? What is the purpose that we are put here on the planet? Why do we exist? In order that... We should be holy and blameless before him in love. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. Again, according to the purpose of his will. Verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood. My sin is nailed to the cross. The forgiveness of trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us. Oh, here we go again. Making known to us the mystery of his will. It's not a mystery. He's made it known. Listen, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ, all things in him, I guarantee, as a plan for the fullness of times to unite all things in him, things on heaven and things in earth, to the glory of God forever and ever. Amen. This is the will of the Lord for your life, that you should be holy and blameless. Look, the little details of the decisions, Will would tell you, don't worry about all that. I mean, that's there, and that's a reality that we have to deal with, but ultimately, our intended outcome, the desired end, the goal, is to be holy and blameless. That doesn't mean you can't do that somewhere else. That doesn't mean you can't do that in a different situation. That doesn't mean that if you choose one career over another, oh, no, I've messed up God's will for my life. God's will is still the same. You should be holy and blameless. Whether you choose this teacher or this path or this whatever, it doesn't matter. What matters is that you're holy and blameless wherever you're at. That is God's will for your life. God's will then, we could summarize like this. Here's a slide. Number one, that we should be holy and blameless. He wants to conform us to the image of his son, Jesus. We should look like Jesus. Therefore, that's holy and blameless. And what he promises us, that's the beauty of it. You know, if that were it, we'd be like, oh, we're never going to make it. This is so discouraging. But in that same passage, he says, in accordance with the conformity, the perfection of his will, that this is a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him. Remember, it's a guarantee. If you're a believer and you have the Holy Spirit of God living inside you, if you've trusted in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins and your salvation, then the end is fixed. It's a guarantee. You will win. You will cross the finish line. You will win the race, and God will perfect you. Despite however many missteps you take, he is guaranteed to get you through at the end of the day. And so it's a, it's a high calling, but it's a beautiful calling as well. It's a hard task, but it's a guaranteed outcome. It's an encouragement. So will, God's will, how do we live wisely? Well, we live in conformity to that. Are the decisions I'm making holy and blameless? Are the thoughts I'm having holy and blameless? Are the comments that I'm making holy and blameless? How is my heart? Is it intending to be good towards another? Is it holy and blameless or are there malintent? Everything is checked against that. 
That is the outcome. That's the ends. That's the desired result. And so anything that's not in conformity with that gets done away with and replaced by something else. How do you live wisely? You live in conformity with God's will. There's no sense in kicking against the goads. You should follow this purpose for your life. If you're making decisions, if you're watching media, if you're listening to music, if you're in a relationship, if you're in any position whatsoever that doesn't fit with holy and blameless, you are in sin and you must stop. You will be punished. A good father will stop you. He will redirect you. The rod and the staff, one is for your protection, the other is for your correction. You must live in conformity with God's will. Holy and blameless. Anything else is a waste of time. Anything else hurts. Anything else ends in pain. But holiness and blameless ends in your glory and your good. So where are we headed? What do we do? What is God's purpose? He's got to be holy and blameless. Will, when he starts, he says, this is our direction. Here is God's will. That you be conformed to the image of your son. His son, that's why he chose you. Will, number one. God's will provides our direction. How do we live wisely? We live according to his will. Well then, pastor, that's still pretty generic. Can you define it a little bit further for me? Yes, I think I can. Not I, but the Lord. Verse 15, sorry, verse 18 tells us how. How do we live in conformity with God's will? Holiness and blamelessness is still a bit mysterious to me. How do I do that? Further, it is defined like this. Ephesians 5.18, it says, Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Here's where Phil comes in. Will and Phil. Will and Felicia. Here's Felicia's part. If you're going to live according to God's will, you need some help. You need to be filled with with the Holy Spirit. Now, this is very important because I know we come from a lot of different denominational backgrounds and what it means to be filled by the Spirit may look quite a bit different. Some people may be like, and other people, quite a bit different. What does the Bible say it means to be filled by the Holy Spirit? What does the Spirit himself say that it means to be filled by the Holy Spirit? Is it a mystic experience with me and God alone on the mountain, or is it something else? What does it mean? What does it look like? In the next few moments, I'm going to give you four specific things. Here's a slide picture of that. I'm going to give you four specific things that it means to be filled. Number one, will is directional. Number two, fill is relational. Remember, will and fill, one is directional, the other is relational. To be filled with the, re- with the Holy Spirit is a relational thing. Let me show you that um, from Scripture. But first, let me put in this disclaimer. So, as I said just a moment ago, a number of people think, okay, filled with the Holy Spirit. That means that since the Holy Spirit is like the wind, he is mysterious. We don't know when he comes and where he goes. That this has got to be some secret, like a magic formula, like Harry Potter or something, like Ooh, abracadabra, hocus pocus, alakazam. But Jesus actually says the exact opposite. When he talks about praying, he says, don't use a bunch of different words. Don't mumble and grumble and garble up things. But instead, pray simply. Well, what are you saying, pastor? 
What I'm saying is this, that in fact, it is not magic. There is no incantation. Instead, the secret is, there's no secret. The secret to be filled with the Holy Spirit is that there is no secret. Instead, it has been revealed to you, and in fact, the Holy Spirit is the same thing in a sense that God the Father and God the Son are. He is a person. He is the third person of the Trinity. And if that is the case, if you can think of him as a person, even though he's spirit indifferent, that the reality is you relate to him just like you would any other person. Did you hear that, church? You relate to the Holy Spirit just like you would any other person. So let's ask Phil then. Let's ask Felicia. Well, Felicia, people are complicated. I don't always get it right in my personal relationships. How do I relate to people? And she say, yes, you're right, brother, sister, Pastor Jeremy. People are complicated. But actually, they're kind of simple. And they're simple in this sense. People in general, they like it when you listen to them. When you do your best not to offend them, don't do things that bother them. That'll push them away. And when you cooperate, yes, people are all different. Yes, people are complicated, different experiences, different personalities, complex, no doubt. But in general, people like it when you listen to them. People like it when you do things that they like rather than dislike. And people like it when you cooperate with them. But if you ignore them, conversely, if you do things that bother them or grieve them, if you do think, if you refuse to cooperate, then of course you're not going to get along. So too the Holy Spirit. Getting along with him or being filled with him is not that complicated. In fact, it's relational. And the way that you do that, the text spells out, is you listen to him. You listen to that still small voice. When you hear something in your head, don't ignore it. Listen and say, is this a spirit or is it not? And if it's a spirit, do it then. Don't ignore it. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Do not grieve or offend him. Don't do things that are out of bounds of holy and blameless. But instead, cooperate with him and go along with what he's trying to accomplish in your life. That is how you are filled with the Holy Spirit. I think a lot of us want the magic formula, actually. I think I, I think we, I think we would prefer if Pastor Jeremy came and said this morning, okay, here's the formula. You do 10 push-ups, you bow to the north, you bow to the east, you jump up, sit down, turn around, and call out these special words, and boom, you're filled. Yay, that would be awesome. Then I'm done. I don't have to work at it anymore, and it's over with, and it's accomplished. Check, and it's simple. But the reality is, the Holy Spirit, being a person, is a relationship, and no relationship works like that. You don't get to just do some magic formula on your spouse or on your friend or on your kids and all of a sudden everything works. Instead, it's a long grind your entire life over and over again. Being intentional, being disciplined and listening to that other person. Because what they liked at one point in time may in fact change for you. And you have to be sensitive to adjust and adapt. And the Holy Spirit is perfect. He doesn't change. But his call on your life may change as well. And so you've got to listen. You've got to be sensitive. You've got to cooperate. You've got to be willing to adapt. Don't grieve him, but get along. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is purely relational. It's not magic. It's not incantational. That would be way too pagan. Instead, he is a divine, relational, communal being 
Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And therefore, that's how he relates to you in a communal, relational way. So you have your direction. Phil is right. Pursue holiness and blameless. But you also need to work on your relationship, too. Okay, Pastor Jeremy, I'm with you so far, but still a relationship, eh, not really my thing. Okay, don't worry. The Bible spells it out. It tells you how to live this relationship. It gives you four things. These are participles. There's specific things that tell you how to live out this command. So summarizing, the will is the direction. The fill is the relational piece. Now let's look at those four. In the next few minutes, what I want to define is four things that help you relationally with the Holy Spirit so that you can be filled, so you can live out the power of his will. This is it, straight from the text. This is as biblical as it gets. Here it is. I will underline these things in this slide so you can see them. The command is first, and then the four participles follow. It says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, Do not get drunk with wine. That's one contrast. That's an extreme out of control. But instead, what you want is to be under control, for that's debauchery, but instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. What does being filled with the Holy Spirit look like? There are four things. Number one, the first thing says, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual psalms. That's the first thing. You're the one another. That's relational. Number two, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. There's another relationship. Love God, love people. Number three, giving thanks always for everything, whatever circumstance you're in in life. To God the Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And finally, how does this play it out in the Christian home, in the Christian church, and everywhere else? Submitting to one another out of reverence. Not for one another, but for Christ. You see, sometimes the one another doesn't deserve the reverence. We drew that out last week on the whiteboard. We said, look, really you're submitting not to that authority over you, but instead to the ultimate authority, to Christ. So here's Ephesians 5. The first one is this. How do we be filled with the Holy Spirit? Number one, here's a slide. It's relational. It's relational. Addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Joe did a beautiful job of pointing that out this morning. One of the themes of our worship arts team is this, is that when we sing, you know, our culture is so individualistic. Our culture is so American. Our culture is so me, 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 that often we think our songs are me, 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 me and God, me and God, me and God, me and God. But what this text says is something different. In fact, when you sing, you're not just singing to God, you're singing to one another. You're building each other up. That the point of the corporate worship service is to be strengthened and built up as a body. That way we can go out and serve like today. And we're going to in just a few moments. But here's the thing. Number one, it says, be filled addressing one another. So the first thing, the first point that I would say describes being filled with the Holy Spirit is actually building others up. Building others up is the first sign that you are being filled by the Holy Spirit. Well, it's not talking in tongues? No. Well, it's not? No. It's not casting out demons? No. It's actually loving your brother and sister in Christ. That's the first thing that love points to. Why is that? Well, think about it like this. In my home, I have children, and they're like me, 
And that means they're sinful. Amen? They're just like me. They're full of sin. And we're working on each other. They help me. I hope I help them. And what I see sometimes is this, is sometimes their relationship with me is great, but they're not getting along so well with each other. But they're like, yeah, I love you, Dad, but not so much, my brother or sister. <clears throat> Christian, have you ever felt like that? I love you, Jesus, but not that guy. <laughs> I'm sitting on the opposite side of the church. If I see him, woo, looking the other way. I am not interested. They are crazy. Lord says, yes, they are. But I'm working on that. You got to trust me and my process and not doubt. That's called faith. And so what happens is sometimes my children say to me, I love you, Dad. And they hate it when I say this, by the way. I say, okay, then show me you love me by loving your brother and sister. But really, you know, I love your brother and sister so much that when you say things that hurt them, it hurts me. And it's really hard for me to feel good about you when you're hurting them. So what is the first sign that you're in a good relationship with me? You're loving your brother and sister, buddy. That shows me that you are being filled with the Holy Spirit. Church, it's funny, but it's true. The way we love God the Father is loving our brothers and sisters. You want to show him that you love him, you love them. You can't cut them out and say you love him. It doesn't work that way. He will not accept that. They are his too, despite how weird and wonky and difficult and impatient and whatever they are. He's still there. And you can pray that God will help you to see them differently. You can pray that your heart will be forgiving. You can thank God that they are put in your life for your sanctification. Lord, you're teaching me grace. You're teaching me patience. You're, I need wisdom. Thank you for this person who's teaching me that over and over again. Hallelujah. None of you, of course. <laughs> Listen, it's true. You want to love the father, you got to love his kids. You can't ignore them or cut them out. The very first sign of being filled by the Holy Spirit, ironically enough, Involves other people. But God does that on purpose. Because it's one of the hardest things. It's not hard to love someone who gave their life for you. At least I don't think so. But it is hard to love someone who wants to take your life. But you get to the point where you can turn the other cheek and return good for evil. Then you know. Then you know. You're moving down the right path. When you can be on the cross and still be thinking about others. And asking God to forgive them their sins. Then you're truly loving the Father. So, this is how Ephesians summarizes it. Ephesians 4, 29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but what? Only such as good for building up. Only such as good for building up. The first way you know you're being filled by the Holy Spirit is if you're building others up, that it may give grace to those who hear and, oh, yeah, the Holy Spirit's a person, so don't grieve or upset him by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. The first sign of being filled by the Holy Spirit, the first participle that describes that command is that you are building others up. Build others up. Number two, so kids, seriously, if you build others up. Is that a joke? 
is funny to your friends. It's not funny to them. Don't say it. Build them up. Number two, be filled with the Spirit by how? By singing and making melody to your in your heart or to the Lord with your heart. Number two, with your heart. So in other words, the second point is to have our hearts set on him. To have our hearts set on him. I thought that'd be the first. Well, really the first is others, and it shows us where our heart is at. But the second is this, to have our hearts set on him. You've probably seen or experienced having your heart set on something. Perhaps you have a child who has their heart set on a certain birthday present or a certain Christmas present or a certain whatever. As soon as I get my allowance, as soon as I get this much money, boom, I'm going to buy this. Maybe your spouse has the same thing. As soon as I save this much, as soon as we do this, boom, this is my goal. This is my outcome. My heart is set on it. I can't think about anything else until this is done. So too, God says, this is how your heart should be on him. That he is your treasure, he is your reward, he is your inheritance, he is your purpose, he is better than everything else. Your heart should be set on him. Singing and making melody in your hearts, your first thing should be Jesus. As Joe said this morning, my whole day should revolve around this. How does this fit in conformity with his will in relationship to him? Is my heart set on him? That's a challenge each and every moment. My heart's set on a lot of different things. The world will tell you, follow your heart. The Bible will tell you, don't. Set your heart. Intentionally direct it towards him. Don't follow it. It's deceptive. It's evil. But instead, follow the Holy Spirit that will redirect it and set it on him. Number one, or sorry, number two, the second thing is, is your heart set on Jesus? Number three, the third thing is this, being filled with the Spirit. Here you can see it in the text right up on the screen. Giving thanks means giving thanks always for everything. Giving thanks always for everything. Now that is a hard one. (laughs) How many of you are thankful? No, don't raise your hands. For everything. (laughs) Yeah, that's hard. Now here's the thing, but bad things happen. Should I be thankful for that? Well, No, of course not. That's not what God is saying. But what's happening here is that he is teaching you that you are dependent, not independent. That we are humble creatures who need him for everything. And therefore, C.S. Lewis says it like this. I love the way he writes and speaks. He says this. Our life is at every moment supplied by him, by God. Our tiny, miraculous power of free will that we think we have is only operating on bodies which his continual energy keeps in existence. Our very power to think is his power communicated to us. We don't breathe if he doesn't want us to. Nothing happens outside of God's eternal purpose or will. Therefore, when suffering comes our way, God's children are not to argue with him. We are not to argue with him. If you're a parent, you know what that feels like. Oh, don't argue. Just trust me. Yes, I know you don't like it. But go through it, do it, and at the end of the day, it'll be better for you, okay? Listen, we need to thank him for his providence by which he can turn those evil experiences into good. We talked about that last week. So in other words, what is this? This attitude is this. It's not praising him for evil. God never asked you to do that. But it's praising God for being God. Even if what you're experiencing is evil, you can fully say, that's bad, 
but God, you're still good. I'm not praising him because everything is okay with him. I'm, praise, or I'm not praising him because everything is okay with me. I'm praising him because everything's great with him. I don't get up and preach because Jeremy is perfect. I get up and preach because Jesus is perfect. Do you understand the difference? I would be wasting my time if I thought that I could complete everything I say. I'm trying to be biblical. I'm not as worried about being hypocritical, but I'm preaching Christ who is the best. Don't look at me, look at him. Don't look at you, look at him. Don't look at your brother and sister and say, hey, but she or they or whatever. The father is not concerned about that. He's working on you. Yes, your circumstance is different. It may not be what you enjoy. That's true. And is it good? Maybe not always, but God can work it for good because that's what he does. That's who he is. Don't forget, your father in heaven knows what you need before you even ask. You're not praising him for evil. You're praising him for being him. And that never changes, ever. It's the same yesterday and today and tomorrow. Regardless of what we're going through or enduring, Jesus Christ is the same. So we get up here not because we're good, but because he is. So in everything, in every situation, you have a heart of gratitude and humility towards him, no matter what. And that's hard to say, or sorry, that's easy to say and hard to do. It really is. I'm not discounting that reality. Doesn't mean we go out and get it right, but we'll have plenty of opportunities to practice. Wait and see. We we praise him, not because all is well with us, but because all is well with him. And in him, all things are guaranteed. Therefore, in the end, it's all good. May not be now, but it will be. And therefore, the third thing that we are to do is humbly accept God's will. Humble acceptance of God's will. That's called gratitude. Giving thanks to him in every circumstance. It requires humility. It requires faith. It requires trust and belief that it'll be okay. But when you get there, it makes everything better. I wish I had all day to preach on this verse. If you lean into this this week, man, pull that out. Wrap it around your soul and embrace it. This is hard, but this is good. When you start praying like this, it'll change you. Humbly accept God's will. Humbly accept God's will. Number four, the fourth thing is this. Being filled with the Holy Spirit means submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Again, last week we had the drawing, you know, the servants and masters and parents and children. And no parent's perfect, no children's perfect, no boss is perfect, no employee's perfect. But the thing is, you're not submitting to them because they're perfect. You're submitting to them because Christ is. Therefore, you submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. You salute the rank, not the person. And the rank is not even the person's rank, but it's God's authority over you. So then, how do we live wisely? Living wisely means, here's the summary slide. You can download this later if you want and get all of this. It's will and fill. Will and Felicia. You follow God's will directionally. And then you are filled by the Spirit relationally. And that shows up in four different ways. Number one, building others up. Number two, having your heart set on Him. Number three, humbly accepting God's will. Number four, 
submitting to Christ's lordship over all things, over all things. And remember that because next week we're going to talk to husbands and wives. And that might be a little bit like, okay, don't forget number four. Don't forget number four. Who are you submitting to? Christ. Christ. Look, relationships matter. Just ask Will and Phil. They're not perfect. They mess up just like you and me. But one thing Will knows is that Felicia wants his heart set on him and no other. She wants him fully, fully, fully devoted to her. And church... Jesus is no different. We're the bride of Christ, and he is our husband. What do you think he wants? Our hearts set on him. Our direction is our perfection. His will, guaranteed. Our relationship is to be all-consuming, be filled in every way. Don't get pulled off track or distracted by anything else. It's a lesser treasure. It's not worth it. It won't end well. But instead, pursue him. He is your great reward. He is your treasure. If you've gotten off track this morning, don't worry. Today's a new day. Tomorrow's a new day. He is so faithful and quick to forgive. It's unbelievable. His steadfast love will never abandon you. And if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. God's will is your perfection. He knows you're not there. He'll get you there. And when you're not there, you confess to him and trust in him to do it. This morning, we'll have pastors and elders and Stephen's ministers down front. If there's something you need to confess, we invite you to come forward and do so. I want you to remember today, if nothing else, how do we how do we do it? Will and fill. Will and fill. You live in conformity to God's will, his direction for your life. And you do that relationally by being filled with the Holy Spirit, who is God's gift to us. Father, we thank you and praise you for Jesus Christ, your only son. Thank you that he sent the Holy Spirit to fill us and change us. Make us more like him. God, please give us the wisdom and patience and grace and strength necessary to listen to him. The humility to confess our sins. The strength to follow through. Lord, it's hard. We're weak. We're flesh. But we know you use fools to confound the wise. You use the weak overcome the strong so this morning we admit we are all of those things foolish and weak but you are wise and strong god help us to have our hearts set on you in jesus name amen thank you pastor let's stand and sing Oh
would come up, we would take the offering. For those of you who are guests today, um, please do not feel obligated to give. This is a way that we can worship. For those of you who belong to the family, the message is not the same. Join me in prayer. 
Heavenly Father, we just thank you and praise you for making us and loving us and showing us your way. We thank you for the opportunity to give back to you. We can never give enough. Today's the day we get to share our time, our talents, and our treasures. We're mindful of how many times in the past you've shown us that when God's people act as one, which was your prayer for us, Jesus, for unity, so much could be done. Today there are going to be homes that are broken and hearts that are broken and spirits that are broken and my brothers and sisters here together. We're going to go out. We're going to answer the call like Isaiah who said, send me. We think about those who in Nehemiah who were rebuilding a wall and they acted as one man and were able to accomplish what nobody thought could be done. And we think about how Jesus sent people out two by two to go out into this world and how he gave us the great commandment and the Great Commission. Today, Lord God, we get the opportunity to do both. But before we give our time and our talents, we have this opportunity to give our treasures. Let us give freely as you give freely. You gave it all. We thank you, Jesus. We love you, Holy Spirit. Fill us so that we may blow into this community and that it will never be the same. We pray this all in the precious, powerful, wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. I keep swinging for the fences. It's like this heart is defenseless. I guess the passion that's pumping through my veins. Blood, sweat, tears, it's a calling. And if I can't walk, then I'm crawling. It might flicker, but they can't kill the flame.
Till I die and they put me in the coffin Don't matter if I'm on the road or if I'm recalled Tell me what you think about me, that really ain't important You know I'm a representative, I ain't playing, can't afford to I only got one life, I'ma get it though And this is not a act, not a movie, not a TV show I don't know what quit me, I don't ever take it slow You know I'm on the ground, me and Toby in the studio Go for the king, what you know about that? Say you going harder, mmm, I doubt that You say you doing work, but you asking where the couch at How you doing work when you asking where the couch at? You can use them when you wanna You only look to heaven when you going through some drama And when they going through some problems And that's the only time you call them I guess I don't understand that life Wonder why, cause I'm all late To the day I die Till the wheels fall off Till the spotlight fades I will lift your go out and serve, right? I'm trying to figure out how to follow that. I don't know. I'm working on it. Um, I got a couple announcements to make you aware of. One is the business meeting coming up on June 9th, and not just business, but prayer, because God accomplishes his business through prayer. So at 515, we will gather as a body to pray and seek him, and then at 6, we'll uh, go through the formal procedures and business and present the budget and then vote along with new members as well. And we're thankful for their desire to be a part of the body. Also, we got to remind you, today was our 9 a.m. service, but from here on out, we're going to do Memorial Day to Labor Day, one service, 10 a.m., everyone together, going crazy, worshiping the Lord. Amen. Amen? All right. We'll do that this summer. And then after Bart comes up here in just a second and gives you some instruction, then I will give you a benediction. The chairs can stay where they're at. And we'll go 